This is Radiant's tape number, JD41, recorded on March 18, 1973. A message by Jim Durkin entitled, To Know Him. Oh, Lord, we're in your presence, Father. Jesus is in our midst. The Holy Spirit is operating through us, dear Lord. And we praise thee, Father. Open thou the eyes of our understanding, Lord, that we may behold Jesus. Behold you, Father. Look through a glass with greater clarity of vision than we've ever had before. Grant this now, Lord, we pray, for we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hallelujah. I'd like you to turn with me, please, to the third chapter of the book Philippians. I want to read about a chapter and a half, then I'll minister on this as the Lord brings to heart what I'm to say. Do you well to follow me in your scriptures, too? You can listen or read the scriptures as you choose, but do your best to try and absorb the meaning of what Paul is here saying. He's moved by the Holy Spirit to say and to do something. He says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Now, I want to take time to emphasize that particular subject. Just keep it in mind, though, we have no confidence in the flesh. Paul, in another place, said, Though we knew him after the flesh, now we know him no more. Speaking of Jesus, now we know him no more after the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. In other words, if these things mean anything, Paul said, I certainly would be at the forefront. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. No one could have been more zealous here. Concerning zeal, that is whatever that flesh produced, concerning zeal persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law. Now, please notice, he's talking about before he knew the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what was the truth about his life? He was a sinner exceedingly before the Lord. So there is no righteousness in the law. That's what he's saying. But in the flesh, we can tend to think that there is. All right. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. And yet he was totally lost. Proved by the fact that he murdered the people of God, persecuted the church, and fought the work that God was doing. And yet he could say, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. And the fact is he was lost. All right. But what things were gained to me, that is in the flesh, these I counted loss for Christ. In other words, he completely allowed them to be taken away from him. He cast them over that his standing might be in a different place altogether. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Now, let me say to you once again, little explanation before we begin the minister. He is not talking about a Bible knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. This we can obtain in school. We can obtain by reading good books. 
we can obtain by one means or another. Paul is not talking about that he gave up everything for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. In other words, he gave up everything that he might be able to read the New Testament and get a knowledge about Jesus. He's not talking about that. He's talking about something far deeper and far more intense that he might have this knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, I hope to emphasize something to you today that will set you on a course of pursuit that will never stop in your entire lifetime and will never stop throughout eternity, for that matter. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, all of those things which were some value in the flesh, have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, by the things we do, in other words, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, as opposed to works, that I may know him, see, that I may know the Bible. Well, now, that's right. We need to know the Word of God. Believe me, you've heard me preach too long and too extensively on this subject to know the feelings that I have about us knowing the Word. And I tell you to eat the Word, know it, understand it, but not know it intellectually. Because the purpose of the Word is to bring us to something. And that something, the finished product of that something that the Word is to bring us to is just not a complete knowledge of the teaching of the Word of God. If that's as far as it brings us, we have come nowhere. We would be able to say with Paul in relationship to his old life, touching the righteousness which is in the New Testament, blameless, and still be missing God's purpose in our lives. That's what I want to minister on this morning. Well, it sounds like I'm doing it already. It's hard to kind of keep it down sometimes. I want to read the whole chapter, though. Hallelujah. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now, please notice what he's stating. If by any means... I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He's talking about some intensity of direction here. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now he's talking about an intensity of reaching out for and taking hold of. Bible says in one place, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Hallelujah. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Now, I don't mean to make a statement here, lest any of you fear that I'm going to preach a message that you don't even know if you're saved. That you do know if you've received Jesus Christ. We're talking here about something else of tremendous importance, not just to be saved, but to what? To know him. To know him. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind 
and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Does it mean there are lesser callings? No, I don't believe it means there are lesser callings, but I think people attain to a lesser place. I think that happens and has been happening for a couple of thousand years. Now listen to what Paul says. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, anything whether we're short of that intensity of purpose, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me. I didn't like this scripture for a long time because I went through what a lot of you are going through. And I'm sure that every new person that comes to the Lord will at some point go through it, say, we should be followers of nobody but the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, now, that's the same type of statement that a good many people have made, said, we recognize no authority but Jesus. But both of those positions are completely wrong. God has placed upon the earth men in positions of authority. He has also placed men upon the earth in positions of setting an example for the church. Now, I'm saying to you, for whatever it's worth, and it isn't worth very much because nothing that I ever say is worth very much except the truth that comes out of me. But I am saying this. The Lord has taken years and years and years to break me, crush me, destroy all confidence I have in the flesh or my knowledge or my ability. And I have one desire in my heart today, and that's to know Jesus Christ and to know him in the power of his resurrection. And so what I'm saying to you today, what Paul is saying here, I'd like to put this before you too. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an ensample. For many walk of whom I told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation, our manner of life, is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and long for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Euodius and I beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. In other words, don't have care about anything. It doesn't mean don't pay attention to what you're doing. Don't care. Don't be all stirred up or uptight about it. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, 
whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we pray now as we open our mouths, Lord, to speak that it is your truth which comes out. And truth, Father, is never just knowledge of the Word, never an understanding of its meaning. But, Lord, it's that anointing of the Holy Spirit which has made it a living experience in our own lives. Let that living experience of Christ manifest itself here today, Lord, we pray. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Since the Lord placed the church upon the earth, now he did it by a simple means. First of all, he came, and by the surrender of himself to the will of God, which will was that the Lord Jesus Christ should go to the cross. And there the Lord died on that cross. And after three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, God, the Spirit of life from the Heavenly Father, entered into the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that dead body was restored to life, not to human life, but to divine or perpetual or eternal life. That vile body was changed, though in some respects it was the same, in other respects it was different. God gave to him that glorious body that he might demonstrate to the people of this earth, the ones that he selected, that they, by believing upon him, for what he had done is follow the Father's will, that God had accepted his sacrifice, and that now all men everywhere could come to him, and by believing in him, they could have eternal life. He then took these few men that he had selected, Twelve we are most familiar with, but there really were more. And he commanded them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and to make disciples of all nations. Now you understand, if I can explain what the Lord had in mind, disciples means wholehearted followers, intensely given over to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ so intimately connected with him that he could be referred to as the head and his people would be referred to as his body. There is no possibility of separating the head from the body without physical death ensuing. It was God's purpose through Jesus Christ to make so intimate a connection between God's people whom he would choose out of the world bring to himself, infused with his life, filled with his spirit, that they henceforth would no longer be merely individuals carrying on their life, even though it be a good life, even though it be a clean, decent, kindly life. No longer would it be that kind of a relationship 
For that's what they had in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the aim of the law was to make men good in an outward sense. It did make men where they followed the law, they got along reasonably well. And to be sure, some of those people actually experienced a transcending of merely human love to where they experienced some of the love of God. Some of that love allowed them at times to love their neighbor dearly, even to the point where some of them would lay down their lives for a well-beloved neighbor. But they never experienced, nor could they experience, for the time was not yet what God had planned for His people. That people which would roughly be surrounded by this term, the body of Christ or the bride of Christ. He intended that we who are called by Him would be brought into an intimate relationship with Him by which division would be an impossible thing for us to be divided and still remain alive. We need literally to be in that body. Not, please understand me, not merely accepting the teachings of Jesus, not even accepting the idea of coming to Him and saying, Lord Jesus Christ, save me. That's the entrance point. That's the beginning point. That's the starting place in the Lord Jesus Christ. But He had no intention of leaving His people there. He intended to bring them into such intimate fellowship and intimate relationship with Him that they would become exactly what the Bible says, one with Him. Please notice this tremendous thing that the Lord wants, that God the Father wants, to bring about this relationship of absolute unity, of His life literally flowing in us and through us so that we are changed and it is no longer us that even live. Now, Paul was at that point. He said, it is no longer I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. He went on to say further that he was pursuing after something. Now, I say to you that in some stage of my development as a Christian, I came out of interpreting the Word of God, or at least the intention of interpreting the Word of God, in the light of my understanding of what it must mean. At first, I would simply read the Word of God and say, well, it can't mean that because... And then I would explain it away and come up with what I thought it meant, and that's what I preached to people. And my life came to, thank you, Jesus, came to disaster and ruin. God brought me down to ruin. He took from me my health. He took from me my family. He took from me my finances. He took from me everything wherein I trusted that gave me comfort and some idea that the good life, quote, quote, because it was a reasonably decent life, I didn't steal from anybody. For the most part, I didn't lie to anybody. For the most part, I tried to treat people right. For the most part, I loved them as much as I could. And that, to me, was a satisfactory Christian experience. But I tell you, God has intended in this generation to bring His church not to what I would deem to be a satisfactory experience, but to the experience that He always intended His body would come to. That intense, personal knowing of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. 
Now the second stage that I went through, and I began to see a change taking place in my life. God is not bringing me down to ruin because He's trained my heart to be pursuing after Him. But I see a change taking place in my life. I've been puzzled by it, distraught by it. It's taken place in the last six, seven, eight, nine months. Been going on a constant working of the Holy Spirit within me. The second stage that I went through was this stage of practicing the teaching of the Word of God. Practice it. Its principles are real, and they cause the power of God to be released in us and bring to pass those things which the Word of God talks about. I will not change, I am sure, in my teaching on this subject ever, because it was a revelation of God to my spirit. And it is a necessary thing for a young babe in the Lord Jesus Christ to come to this concept of laying aside the things they think they've learned, their education, their training, their accomplishments, their conclusions about life, laying them aside and turning to the Word of God as the source of truth and beginning to practice in your life, though it will be painful, beginning to practice in your life those things which are laid down in God's Word for us to do. Jesus said, speaking about the wise man and the foolish man, He said, I will show you a wise man. And then He described about the man who built his house upon the rock and said that was like the man who heard the sayings of Jesus and what? Did them. That is a stage in our development, our growth, our life, a stage in my own life. I saw God because I did those things which were written in the Word. I saw Him take me from that completely ruined state and restore me, grant me life for death, and give to me a powerful ministry. I have seen Him take young people that were completely blown out as far as the world is concerned, as far as life is concerned, and because of the simple teachings that were given to them, turn around and become men and women that could be used by the Lord for His purposes. But I know of a certainty, and the Lord has been dealing with me now for months on end. Sometimes I spoke about it. Other times when I tried to preach it, there was no clarity of thought in the subject. Not completely clear on it now, but clear enough to begin speaking a few things. That it was the original purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ not to have a church that knew the Word of God in the sense that they could rattle off Scriptures. I've gone through that too. Now I have nothing against memorizing the Word of God. And I grant to you that large parts of it I'm able to quote, although not verse and chapter, never went to that extent. And there's a place for memorizing. But I want you to know that memorizing the Scripture can be a trap to your spiritual growth. You will substitute your knowledge of the Word of God through memorization for having attained something spiritually, when in reality you've done nothing more than a schoolboy would do when he memorizes a poem. You have used your natural memory faculty to master a portion of the Word of God. It is not wrong, but it can become a trap to you. Because you will rest in that thing and say, Aha, I have attained something in the Lord. You can go on from that place of Scripture memory or some scriptural thing that you're taught is a very spiritual thing and a very good thing to do. And you can get to that place where I have been for a number of years, though God has been dealing strongly with me, especially over the last few months, where you are practicing 
the principles, the teachings of the Word of God. And I guarantee you that if you do that, and you must do that, God will manifest Himself in your life powerfully. I guarantee you that if you practice the Word of God, whatever you lay your hand to, it will prosper. It will be fulfilled. It will come to pass. That I can assure you of. And yet I can assure you of this also, that while you are practicing the Word of God the same as you are memorizing the Word of God, that can also become a trap. You can begin to look on your accomplishments in the Lord and say, See, Lord, what I have done by practicing your word. To be sure, you're giving the Lord credit. And believe me, there's a place for the accomplishment that we have in the Lord, and there must be accomplishment, just like we must read the word and we must study it, and to some extent we must memorize it, know it in other words. But in the same way, it can become a trap. Now, what is the Lord trying to bring us to? What is his aim and purpose in us? It is to bring us to know him. Now, I cannot understand Paul writing many years later. Please notice it. Writing many years later, when he has accomplished in the Lord tremendous things, and he tells the people, be sure to walk after the way you've seen me walk. And I pass this on to you. Don't try to shortcut your experiences in God. Don't try to bypass practicing the Word of God. Don't try to bypass reading the Word of God. We have groups all over America today and no doubt all over the world that are telling us they do not need the Word of God anymore like this because they have the Word of God in them and Jesus speaks directly to them and they get all the revelations they need right direct from the Lord. You be sure to hearken to me today. You make sure your revelations from the Lord Jesus Christ match up with the revelations in this book. And if they don't match up with the revelations in this book, get rid of the revelations that are against the teachings of the Word of God. This is our safety. This is our guideline. This is what gives us boundaries. Within those boundaries, we can move very freely back and forth. But the minute you step over that boundary, you are in the territory of a no-man's land. And brother, get back inside the boundaries that God's Word lays down. But within those boundaries, the purpose of them is not to set guidelines that we might live a good life nor is it to set guidelines whereby we, through practicing the teachings of the Word of God, may accomplish something as though that were an end in itself. I practice the doctrine of prosperity, and I prosper, and I say, look, Lord, I've done it. Or I practice the doctrine of faith in relationship to the church, and I go out and minister the gospel of Jesus Christ and build up an organization or a group or a people and say, look, Lord, I've done it. Your word really works. God intends to demonstrate to the world that his word works. And therefore, we need to work his word that we will have something to say to the world. Look, this is the physical evidence of what I am talking about. The world needs the witness of these things. I need the safety of God's Word. But the witness of God's Word working 
and the safety of the boundaries that God's Word lays down and the teachings of the Word of God are all designed in the final analysis to lead me to one thing. Not to the accomplishment of what the world would say a good Christian life. Not even what the church would say a useful or a powerful Christian life. But the purpose of this chapter that I'm reading to you, Paul says, that I may know him. Now I'm past demonstrating the word of God. All right, Lord, I'll be your man in the earth. I'll practice your word. I'll show this world that your word works. And so there are all of these accomplishments. And I say, there, Lord, I've done it. Now that is good. And I intend to the day that God gives me the last breath by whatever way it comes, whether the rapture or the way of the grave or whatever, I intend to keep on practicing God's Word. I intend by the grace of God, because I feel it on my heart, that we'll send people to Europe. I intend because I feel it on my heart, and I have felt it for a long time, and several of the brothers have, that the East Coast will open up shortly, and we'll have a part of the work there. And it looks like it's already opening up, even without us doing anything, for which I rejoice in the Lord. There are places that our brethren are getting trained for and ready to go to, and the Word of God will spread. And I could sit back, and they, the ones who go to these places, could stand with me and say, Lord, look what we have wrought through your word. But now comes the, should I say, the third and final stage? I don't know if it's the final stage, but the third stage in my life. And I have, up to now, not been afraid to ask God this, because in a way, I do know Jesus. He has spoken to me at times. He has revealed himself to me times in certain ways bit here and a piece here and certainly through his word more than just reading it there have been times that the word of God has opened up to me in a remarkable way and I've been able to pass that revelation on to God's children but I want to read something to you today let's go back to our third chapter and this is seventh verse but what things were gained to me those I counted loss for Christ. You see, right now, if I want to rest on my laurels with a slight change in my emphasis of preaching, I would never have to worry again, most likely, about a church to preach in or a body of people to preach to or workers ready to do the work of God in the context that I would lay out for them to do. We could build a strong local church situation, which will be built but I'm talking about from my point of view, that I want now security in my life. I want these things which will make it easy for me, though I have many years ahead of me, yet I know I'm well over the halfway mark of life, and now I want things to be easy. And so therefore, by a slight shift in emphasis, I can create for myself relative security. Relative security. This body is so oriented today that you'll go right on winning souls, to be sure. This body is so oriented today that this church would prosper for years and years and years to come, especially with this rising tide of spirit of God moving in the earth. That I can tell you for sure. 
These are things which I could count as gain to myself. I could say, man, I've got something here which is really trying for me to take a risk now and to push somebody out to Europe or to push somebody out to the East Coast or to push somebody out to here. This kind of thing is a risk to me personally. Therefore, I will not do it. Better to have a bird in the hand than two in the bush. And I suppose a thousand other proverbs I could quote to state that position. But I want you to see what Paul has to say here. Instead of relying on and depending on these things, let's see what the Bible has to say and let that become a watchword for yourself because the Lord wants to do something with the church. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now listen to this next. This is what I'm asking God for because it's going to turn our world upside down. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I have seen God heal. And I have seen God intervene in my life personally in a miraculous way. I have seen God intervene in the lives of people who practice God's Word, and they have intervened in his life, in that person's life, in a tremendous and miraculous way. But I have not attained unto that place, though I know the reality of it is already within me. I know his anointing is on me. I know his Spirit is in me. I know his resurrection power is my power. It's within me but I have not yet experienced the outflowing, the dynamis, the dynamic of that resurrection power. And Paul is saying here that he counted all of the other things that he had ever accomplished. And believe me, even before he was a Christian, he accomplished some things for God because the law was still in effect. And he did what the law required, and as touching the righteousness which was in the law, he was blameless. And he ruled the people of Israel because he was a part of the Sanhedrin and a part of the ruling body. I'm sure he ruled them well and he taught them well. But the truth of the matter is that he, with all of that, the time came that he looked at it and he counted it as dung. Then he went on to work for the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm sure that he went through the same stage that I went through, and there were things that he finally surrounded himself that could have been of gain to him personally had he been ready to cling to them and say, here, I've done my bit. Then one day, I'm sure, in his heart, just like in mine, there awoke a revelation in him. And this is what Christ has been doing now, trying to do for 2,000 years, because the church lost it. They had something of it in Paul's day, something of it in Peter's day, not the fullness to be sure. There were some who were carnal and some this and some that. 
but he was striving to bring the church to a place where the church knew Jesus in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings, that they would know him. And I'm telling you, the Lord is stirring up within me and saying, all right, you've got it now. Let me paraphrase it, because that isn't what the Lord told me, because he didn't tell me in a sense of a voice, but it's clear in my mind. You've got it. You've got a solid work. You can rest in it. Let others do the work. Henceforth, you can rest in it. Is that what you want? Or I hold something before you and see if that's what you want. And then he tells me that I can know him in the fellowship of his sufferings and in the power of his resurrection. The Lord has determined to bring his church back to himself. Now, I tell you something. I have been pushed in my own spirit and pushed by people on the outside to constantly take this body of people and the other fellowships that we're working with and to let them merely mingle with the church world that exists. And I have no contention with the church world. I recognize those people as saved and knowing the Lord like I recognize us as saved and knowing the Lord. And yet I'm telling you, I had to leave the denomination in which I live because even then they were not able to hear my message and weren't able to bear it. It was too heavy a thing that I was laying upon them that the word of God was to be practiced. That simple little truth which you've recognized almost from the day that you've been saved and followed the Lord Jesus Christ, it's been taught to you that you should practice the word of God, that the word of God is for us to practice and it works and you've begun to do it. And I see the remarkable results, the change in your life. The reason I've kept this body somewhat separate, especially at times under tremendous pressure to simply let it dissipate and join in the local church affairs, though we do fellowship and associate a great deal, now I begin to see the purpose of it in our lives. That the Lord Jesus Christ, just as we set an example for many in this church community, talking to some ministers not too long back, talking to some church people not too long back, and there are many of those people that have said, We have seen the example that your young people have set that the Word of God really works. And when people get together in one mind and one accord and determine to do something, God is able to work through them and bring it to pass. And it's encouraged all of us and stirred us up. And many churches today are doing things they were not doing two years ago because of what they've seen you do. Now I'm going to tell you something. We can rest in our laurels. But that isn't what we're going to do. The Lord Jesus Christ has determined to bring his church back to that relationship where we as a church and we as individuals can say we know him. In the fellowship of his sufferings, I don't know what that means. I've suffered for the Lord in a mild sense. I've had people call me a devil and tell me I was full of the devil and a deceiver and a liar and a cheat and a fraud and... And that suffers. You get hurt in your feelings. And I would go home to my wife and say, why did they say that? I know differently. See, But that's not. Paul got all of that too. I don't really know fully what Paul meant. Although I can have a revelation of it in a minor way in my spirit when he says that I might know his resurrection power. But I know this. I want this world, and especially those that God calls out of darkness into His marvelous light, 
I want them to know Jesus Christ in the power of His resurrection. I want this world, because that's not me. It isn't me. I'm speaking to you by the authority of the Lord. The Lord wants this world to have a witness of the power and the glory and the love and the mercy of His eternal Son. And in order to give them that, we are going to have to give ourselves to the Lord wholly and completely and totally. This Word of God is designed to bring us to salvation. Praise God, we have come to salvation. The Word of God is designed to bring us to baptism. We have come to baptism. We are recognized in Jesus Christ. We were dead to the world and needed to be buried, as someone has said. And we went to the baptismal pool. And in Jesus Christ, we were buried with Him by baptism into death. And then by the same token, symbolizing that mighty, glorious resurrection which came in Christ, we came up out of the water and we signified that to the world. We then submitted ourselves to the glorious baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if any of you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, receive that glorious gift from the Lord. It's yours to have. But the tendency in every one of these things is to get hung up in them and to sit there and talk about it. We have salvation. Isn't it wonderful? Yes, it is. Now Paul said, forget it and move on. We have been filled with the Holy Ghost and we speak in tongues. Isn't it glorious? Yes, it is. Now keep on speaking in tongues because the Bible says to build up yourself by praying in the Holy Ghost. But the Bible says and tells us and it's God's Spirit urging us, move on. Not laying again the foundation of dead works and of baptisms and resurrection of the dead and things to come. We get hung up in prophecy and what's going to happen here and about this and that. And do you believe in a rapture, premillennial, amillennial, postmillennial, midmillennial? Brother, what I believe in is Jesus. Hallelujah. And I want to know Him. Now God has determined, and you can take it from me, for I've heard from the Lord you can take it from me that he has determined to bring his church back to himself. That we will know him and we will take him to the world. We'll not just take the Bible. We'll not just take our experiences. We'll not just take our knowledge. We will take him to this world. And give it a witness that Jesus Christ lives. Wherever that carries you or me in the months which are to come, or in the years which are to come, then let it be so. Let it be so. I only know this, that as God brought me to crisis 13 or 14 years ago, so he is bringing me to a crisis now. It's not a crisis of that violent nature on the outside because I guess it's not necessary now because there's nothing I hold dear. I've held nothing dear for years and yet I hold everything dear because it's God's gift to me. But I don't hold it in the sense that I grasp it anymore. If God wants me to let it go, I've already let it go. I'm just a steward over whatever God has given me, whether it be people or souls or property or myself. 
That's all. Now you and I, if you have the same spirit that I have, and I know you do, then what we want is to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings and the power of his resurrection being made, please notice this, conformable to his death. Now I want that for which I know to be true. And I tell you, I don't understand. The Bible says that I am dead and my life is hid with Christ in God. That I am dead and I'm seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now I want that in my life to be an experience, not only for me, but for this entire body and for the whole church, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I tell you something. If you go into churches today, you'll find many of them without any love for the Lord, without any knowledge of Jesus, without any understanding of the word. They don't know what it means to practice it. They're just simply good people going to church. Let that never happen to this body. Let us go on, the Bible says, unto perfection, full maturity of knowing him in the power of his resurrection. Will you bow your head with me in word of prayer? Now, Heavenly Father, I pray that I can pray a prayer to you, Lord, for everyone that is here hearing my voice today. And I pray that you hearken to that prayer, Lord, as I know you do. Father, I ask you that this body and those that are a part of our body and all your people everywhere, Father, as many as will hear you and as many as you can deal with, Lord, that this be the generation in which you capture again your church, which you capture completely and wholly and totally your people, Lord. And all of the things that we have been taught to hold dear and all of the things that have become important to us, Lord, that these no longer, Father, have any meaning to us in a sense that we cling to them or hold on to them or depend upon them for security or identification or relationship. Oh, Father, that the only thing that our heart is open to henceforth is that you might bring us to that place where we know Jesus in the fullness of his life and the fullness of his death. And we be made conformed to that fullness of life. And we be made conformed to that fullness of death. That he may be given to this world as a witness, Lord. In such clear light, that not one man or one woman or one child even, even though they be a fool, Father, can but know that they have heard God's eternal voice in Christ Jesus speaking to them. Now, Lord, I pray that this body hears this voice this morning and they give themselves to that total surrender to Jesus Christ. Amen.